Okay, so last time we ended up with your early married life in Gillingham. It was your first apartment in, like, where you had, like, no bath, you shared the bathroom and all that it's sort of thing. Two rooms. Queen Street. Yes, that one. In Gillingham. Mm-hmm. I actually want to uh, go back a bit in time first and actually discuss what it was like um, before the polio vaccine was introduced and and because that was quite a uh, thing that's been forgotten now really what that was like and because there's people who have survived polio and and how to live with it but as a society we've sort of forgotten about Entirely, it so yeah. so Nan if you want to like you can start off yes what well, it was the sort of scourge of those times that that were you heard every week of how many cases there'd been and how many deaths and how many people where they were uh, the, the serious the ill ones were put in iron lungs which sounded absolutely horrific so to a, a, I was about what age was I was in a junior junior school so under under 10 um, and you heard about these horrific things and you think you know, what's an iron lung and if I get it, will I be put in an iron lung? Although we did have a case at our school, and I ha- I happened to sit be sitting next to this boy, um, and so I used to get terribly worried. And then I was I had some mysterious illness at one time. It was like a flu thing, and but they of course immediately thought you might have polio, so the doctor would come in those days quite regularly. And Tess, you could still uh, bend your legs and, and things like that. Um, but whether it could have been a mild case and I got over it, we don't really know then. But uh, Yes, it was a long time before the vaccines came in. In fact, we it was after we were married and we were all... Uh, um, so we would have been early, uh, mid, early to mid-twenties uh, because the children got the the vaccines first on, on lumps of sugar and then I remember we had to go down to the health centre by the time it got into the 20s uh, and had I think it was still on lumps of sugar when we went out it was it? yeah it's the only thing I remember about it quite yes. honestly it was it was for years it had only just stopped being on lumps of sugar by the time you came in in the 1990s we was, they were still oh, giving so? yes yeah, mm. they were still giving because it was a liquid, you put it in on lumps of sugar, the baby popped the sugar lump in, that mm. didn't taste too bad, so it dissolved. But actually the childhood inns and the polio didn't count, they came in, in between 1947 and 1948. So children born then were given their baby vaccine. So you're right, yours wouldn't have gone on, you wouldn't have got yours to the 50s, late 50s, mm. early 60s. But they actually started back in about 1947, 48. But at that time, the children were given something that isn't in the form of a vaccine as today. Are we? It was, yes. It, it was something liquid, but it was liquid, not a, not uh, not in a syringe. No, no well, but polio has never been. Polio has only been a vaccine, and in in a triple or five time vaccine, in a, in the last twenty years. I always gave liquid polio onto babies' mouths when I started doing vaccines back in the 1990s. 
it's always been a liquid and it's always been a live vaccine until about the early 2000s and then it was actually it could be combined with a diphtheria and tetanus and it was all in then in a vaccine but prior to that it's always been drops i thought that was utah That's, yeah exactly and just for some background actually my mum allison has been a nurse all her life so that's 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 why she knows a fair a fair bit about that i'm not sure i've introduced you at, at, at that point in the because yeah. you were here for the very first yeah. one yeah. but i'm not sure how much i said yeah. so that's why you have all that background for that mm. so yeah Gwendolyn, what about your like uh, thoughts and feelings about growing up with uh, in that sort of period um well my mother being my mother who was um very protective um she was strange because something like that I know there was no panic in her about it um, but I do think there was a lot of being clean and cleanliness and not going not going to I don't think we went anywhere where there was a crowd of people I think that's that's the only oh, only you thing didn't, you didn't that um, that in fact we did reacted to it um, <clears throat> um, and certainly in my my school days I can't remember anybody actually catching it believe it or not as um, you were in a boarding school you were isolated from that's why that's why you didn't if you'd have you had didn't. day did you have day boarders no, no, but we, no, but we no. did go to other schools. Yeah, that would be my bit. The fact that you didn't have day boarders, they didn't go in and out yeah. and in and out mm. and mix with the outside community and bring it back. Nobody, when you're a homogenous group, which you were, mm. and your masters didn't go anywhere either, then there was so little chance. Even if you went and played on a hockey field or a rugby pitch, you were outside the breathing in and the transmission is so reduced that unless you'd gone and then lived in another school's dorms and, yeah. they, and they'd had a chance of somebody mm. mixing and bringing it in, they had, it has to be imported. It doesn't just float mm. out and then come in. So um, boarding schools and homogenous groups that didn't change were very, very unlikely to get polio they, they were the oh, safest more, we were country people mm. yeah as well because yeah. when we went to to dartmouth um rnc dartmouth and mm. um, we ended up twice on their mess deck once yeah. when we got there because we traveled mm. all that way and then after the match we mm. all mingled yeah. um you know on the mess deck yes. and with all you know the whole yes but set up. fresh air well we, we, we sat down and had some yes. very nice food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it, better in our school. Yeah. Yeah. So RNC is Royal Naval College. Is, it is. Yes, yes. Exactly. yes just to clarify uh, on that one. So yeah, the uh, also, Mum, you were saying earlier actually about, you know, someone who was who survived yes. um, polio well, essentially. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mother of a friend of mine. Now she did get polio um, and she had what we termed in those days a withered leg. The leg lost all its muscle and strength. And so she's lived for all 
her adult life, she caught it as a teenager, so all her adult life with a caliper, where it's obviously been redesigned over the years, but I noticed still the other weekend they haven't come on a lot in if you think of the technology. You don't see many people about with calipers there. You often saw children. Yes. Well they didn't yes, survive. She, did. she survived terribly yeah. well. But even the ones that survived, I can't mm. remember knowing anybody who ever wore calipers. No, she's just got it on the one side, one the one the one leg. But mm. as long as I've known her and I've known Jane forty years, the her mum was always limped and had the caliper on, on her leg. Mm. So but yeah. children had them because they had was it rickets rickets or something? No, 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 no. That that's when the legs do that. Bow out. Mm. Look as if you've look, look as if you've ridden a horse bareback. Um, most of those, most of the children with rickets, if you have enough sunshine and vitamin D, will straighten mm. your legs over time. They might still be a little bit bowed, but they will straighten. Very rarely did they put those in calipers, but it was the fact that there's no strength in a polio. So polio has a, an unusual effect on the human body in that it, it destroys muscles? Yes. Well, that's why they ended up in iron lungs, because their lungs would, couldn't keep going. So yeah. the iron, I mean, nowadays we wouldn't put them in an iron lung. We'd have a special way of ventilating them. But they didn't have, back in the 50s, the only thing we had was ways of changing the pressure that you, you were actually forced into your head would be out and the lungs came up to here yeah very and similar to a deep deep sea diving yes, yes. The, the, um, and it, it was the way of being able to keep enough pressure in there so the lungs could still move enough to, to be able to breathe because if they came out of that the lungs would just go yeah. There wasn't the muscles mm. left to expand and, and, and contract. Mm. So, but that was very extreme for them to be in iron lungs. I don't know how many in those days actually survived no, to, to go on to older age but with, with the iron lungs. Strangely yeah. enough, we're just going to quickly, strange enough, when I was in NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care, they brought back <clears throat> for people with for premature babies with very stiff lungs, which you can get very stiff lungs because of the tension, because your lungs aren't supposed to, you're not supposed to breathe um, before you're born, so your lungs don't want to, and you can get very stiff or tensioned lungs, which would keep blowing, um, so you keep getting pneumothoraxes all the time. Um, and so they brought back in, for those, I don't know if they still use it today, a modern version of the iron lung. So they stopped, they held the pressure of the lungs to stop them overinflating or underinflating so they didn't keep it to let them heal. So right. that's the only time I've ever seen one in my lifetime but it was not the original that you can see in museums but it was based on the same. So that's thing. an off sort of something that's come off from the, the problems we've yes. had with polio. Yeah. But so I, I think now that the ventilation machines are better that they have got a better ways of doing it because that was the 90s. But, yeah. But yeah. There actually was a story a while back that I read of a grandfathered in iron lung um, recipient. Mm -hmm. He could live for like a few hours outside of it. Mm -hmm. And there were now modern ways of ventilating, but he, did, he actually preferred the iron lung. He, he may have died now, but, mm. uh, but it, it was within the last 10 years there was someone like that. So the, some, some people did survive and, mm. they, and they got used to, used to it that he preferred to mm. be in the iron lung than use modern things.
Was, was this an international problem or just for ourselves? Polio? Yes. Oh, no, it's international. I mean, we still haven't caught... We, we still virtually eradicated polio now worldwide. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. There's, well, well, it's it has, just, it's just been recently. It's been coming back recently. It's no? just been recently. I'm trying to think. It was somebody somebody famous, as in well-known, but now is much more of a um, pioneer about medical things. It's an actual... Uh, anyway... Um, because we were supposed to have eradicated polio by 2020, by the year 2000. That didn't happen, but we had eradicated, virtually eradicated it, but we're now, because of the breakdown in, um, because we've had the, the civil wars in an awful lot of countries like Rwanda and Afghanistan and all of that, the thing that obviously drops off the most is healthcare. The only healthcare they do is emergency healthcare. There is no preventative. So there's a cohort of children now that have been born in the last 20 years that have not had full vaccinations. So there are... Polio does reassert itself every so often um, because of the, the, the ongoing wars um, we've had. But in what we call the developed world... No, you don't. Don't anymore. No, not anymore. Are there any other diseases that we've eradicated since that Anne Rundet would have um, had had to have contended with? Well, in those previous times, there was an awful lot more of meningitis, mm. Mm. and that is becoming now coming back, isn't it? You, yeah, I mean, my father had it um, through during the war because American, the American uh, soldiers were being treated in a military hospital just below where we lived in Shaftesbury and for once we happened to go to the cinema um, very unusual because mother oh. didn't let us go but I can't remember what it was or why we went and of course these um, soldiers who were patients at the uh, the American hospital um, were unable to come out to the cinema. We can only think that that's probably where he got it. But, and he uh, obviously got over it and everything. But the strange thing was that Alison's father, Paul, um, got it exactly, she was exactly the same age as I was when my father got it. And he got it on a bus going to work in Torquay. There was only a few a. cases. Mm. There was only a, a very few cases. Um, and then it had been quiet over those years. Um, but, but now, I mean, they do have these, um, especially with, with the students and young people, they seem mm. to get yeah. this strain. But there are two strains of meningitis, isn't there? And I had the, 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 the lighter cool. one. But the interesting thing was that the Tor Bay um, doctor who's in charge of Ministry of Health in Tor Bay, he actually at the end of the day, after a very long space of time, found the source of the meningitis, which I had called. And he worked through every single person that ever got on it from that area backwards and forwards on the 32A bus 
and he then we lived in Shippey and the person who I caught it from was a carrier in Chelston which was f actually further down on on, uh, on on the bus route going in, down into Torquay down into the centre of Torquay which is where I worked at that time <coughs> yeah but it was very interesting we did get advised if you remember Sorry? we got advised you remember ages after it all had happened that, that they had traced the source yeah, of, well, yeah, of yeah, yeah so in those days it seems that um, um, the um, medical people kept in touch with you um, so you weren't left into the, in the dark about such things but the interesting thing was <coughs> in Torbay at those terms there was an annex and in that annex it was for serious diseases well infectious diseases, well, infectious yeah. diseases. Yes, yes. a special whole total unit mm. which had nothing else for that and that's why I ended up for 11 weeks 11 weeks yeah, well, that was what you didn't say. You know, it was. I was off work for eleven weeks. Oh, off work. You yes. were in hospital all the time. Oh no, no. But but it, it was basically eleven weeks. I was yeah. before I went. I was, back I, was in the, I was in. I went to stay with her. Oh, oh yes. Which is which is Nan's. Which which is um, yeah, my parents. Yeah. And likewise, the, the years before when I was that age. I went to stay with my grandparents, which was, which was still my mother's fa uh, family. Um, I was away quite a long time. I just started school. Well, I was just coming up to start school. We were all, we were all about the same. Both of about the same age. I remember that. I remember when Dad got meningitis, and the only two things I remember is the fact that the curtains were drawn, because I now knew late in life you come all the poor light since to all light fading. Oh, yes. And two, the chamber pot that Dad was sick in. <laughs> so yeah, what was it like then um, for those 11 weeks that you had meningitis? Um, well, the end part was quite nice because we had time to go out and it was just... Very, very... Well, the first part of it was very... Um, um, frightening. Yeah, the head was pretty pretty bad. But it and would maintain, yes, an excruciating headache. Wasn't yes, it? and that's why the curtains were pulled. Mm. Yeah. And we had Granny Drew staying at the time on her summer holidays. <laughs> His mother-in-law, so that didn't help. She wasn't quite so bad. And um, but when I got there, it was it was the um, in order to test. Um, what the problem was, so that they could diagnose it properly, you had a lumbar punch, yeah. which is pretty, pretty cruel, cruel, crude in those days. Okay. I think it's. Hmm? They're no different nowadays. Oh, aren't they? awful. Um, but the, all the rest I can remember is being looked after by. Um, yes, most of the time by a male male nurse was very very nice. But the thing was, when I got better, I thought, oh, damn this, it's about time I got off this bed. So, um, 
I wriggled myself round, got my feet down onto the floor and went to try to stand up. Well, you don't realise that after a considerable number of weeks, a considerable number of weeks that you've been on the horizontal position, the body doesn't take kindly go, going, the muscles and everything, kindly to the vertical. So I ended up in a heap on the floor, being picked up by a couple of nurses. I think that must be saying, why. Ticking me off. Bed as long, yeah. For getting out of the bed without waiting for them to come, yes. Sorry, what was that now? I was saying to mum, that is why nowadays they don't keep you in bed very long. You have an operation, you get out the next day. I mean, unless you're at death's door and you can't get out. But basically, people aren't bedridden. No. For that long, so that's actually new to me. I didn't know you had meningitis. <laughs> I was actually an interesting to me. No, now you know, you realise what the problems you have with me can't be got to the meningitis. I, I put it all down to meningitis. Go on to that, okay, yeah. Actually, seeing as mum's here, actually, there's something I wanted to actually uh, think about was um, the difference in experience between Nan with her father and mother and mum with her grandmother and grandfather who are... Yes. See, yeah, so like, mum, what were your like experiences and, and opinions of your, your, your grandparents on Nan's side? Well, for, for me, Granny and Granda Drew, I mean, to be quite honest, I was the apple of Granda's eye. Oh. I was the eye, I was, you know, I mean, he only had one granddaughter, but I was the apple of his eye. Um, Granny, in in her own way, loved me because I was another little girl and she'd always liked mum because she had a daughter. And, um, yeah, she loved to do my hair in rags and, and make it all nice and brush it all. And she liked me. And, you know, they were very, very kind to me because she always used to buy me a very nice dress each year and I used to... So, in you know, in that sense, they always took me down. There was a shop in Sidmouth called Fields that had a whole children's department, which wasn't something I'd normally go to, and they'd take me down and she'd pick me out a dress and, you know, I'd be able to try it on. And I was made to feel very special, so, in, in that sense. But Grandad was the more hands-on in the fact that we did more, so... He always did the gardening and I always followed him around and I, I learned how to pick out tomatoes from him um, and I knew learned how to pick the beans and he always grew chrysanthemums and used to pick those in and take them into the house for Granny to put in the vase. Um, and we always got the vegetables every morning for lunch. He'd go out and we were allowed to bring them in and get those all ready and then we were not told, but the whole general idea was we would disappear for the rest of the morning, which was either to do the shopping that Granny wanted, or if there wasn't that to do, then he always borrowed a bicycle from one of the neighbours. And I always, him, he had a bicycle, and we then used to go out either cycling, or we used to go down into Sidmouth, and we could play crazy golf, because there was golf down there. Um, or we went, and in the summer, if I was there, mm -hmm. then there was the fishing boats that went out, and so you could have uh, a morning out on the fishing boat catching. This is where I caught mackerel. Um, but it, it was very, what you would call nowadays, I suppose, quite quaint and low key, but there was always something, to me, there was always something to do. 
because if you compared it, I mean, when I was up to the age of seven, I lived in Torquay and there was always things to do because I had Helen and all my friends. Then when we moved to Buckfast, for me as a child, there was very little for me to do, as in that you could get to them, and there was very there was nobody to play with. So when I went back to Sidmouth, it was a bit like going to Torquay again because there was the sea, and every afternoon I had to change my clothes and be and put on my summer dress. But when I was there, but we then go out for the afternoon either for a drive or somewhere. Or we'd go down to Sidmouth and go all along the seafront, and there was an ice cream place at the bottom that used to do Knickerbocker glories, and we used to have I used to have one of those. So there was, it was a very Sidmouth now when I look back, and I did always enjoy it as a child. Is a very nice seaside resort. It, in though in my day it was busy, but not what we've now called busy. Um, but there was there was a nice lot of things going on, and I always I nearly always went there the week when they had the um, Sidmouth um, Music <clears throat> Week, and I was fascinated because people from all over the world came dressed in their national costume, and I love national costumes or what people wore for their countries and their flags, and then they played all their own music and dance <coughs> and everything. And in those days, it's not now, but in those days, in the afternoon, you took your deck chair down in the park and you sat down and you listened to whatever you wanted to listen to. And then you just moved on because it was, wasn't any tickets. You didn't pay to listen to any of this. And then you used to just, we used to just go around the different areas um, with our deck chair and sit and listen. And the best thing that my grandfather ever brought me we can't have had Granny that day, that afternoon. We went and listened to this Indian music, and you know, there's the sitars, the things that are like guitars but flat. Anyway, if you buy, if you get one of these like wind pipes that's got a funny little vent thing at the top, and you blow it, it if you blow it nicely, it sounds very like one of these. Granddad bought me one of those my blowing wasn't quite as good and granny hated this thing i loved it because i thought i was playing so well this music i wasn't um but but yes it was the whole idea of little things and all the different flags and yeah mm. so that to me i enjoyed it's still going yeah it is still going. and of course it's in a place called Corret gardens the mm. Yeah, that's like anything now, isn't it? Like, Everything's um, being yeah. commercialised yeah. so much. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing is now just for the sheer joy of yeah. enjoying and presenting it to you. There was always the programme. Granddad used to get the programme. Yeah. Oh, right. mm. they, they've always much, done yeah. that just mm. of, of the week. Mm. Of who was, so you had some idea where things were. But that's the only commercial thing was. We, the whole thing we as well. as I say, never went because we always went mm. to them. We, so, 
We, we never went to it. Yeah. We still haven't been to it. <laughs> so, um, how old were you and your grand and granddad then? I was... I Well, they were in Sidmouth when Dad had his meningitis and I hadn't started school. I was about four and a half. Yeah, you, yes. yeah, you always Maybe. went there. So, I... I went there certainly of a year from Buckfast from the age of six or seven, didn't I? Mm. Because I used to have a week, week, week with um, in Sidmouth and then I had a week with running, running Rabbit Hall in Exeter and they used to swap over. They used to swap me over. So this was the, su- the summer holidays? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So that leads nicely into memories of, uh, of, of granddad's, granddad's yes. parents, your other grandparents. My other grandparents. Granddad and granny were a, the flip of that, really. Yeah. Because granny always, I think, wanted a little girl. Um, and she wanted a little girl to do um, in, indoor things with. So she she's actually was the first one who taught me to crochet. But she taught me to crochet, believe it or not, with cotton, because she used to do edges to hankies. You used to have a little crochet bit on your hanky years ago. Um, and so she taught me to crochet with cotton, which is very difficult. And when I found wool, it was a darn sight easier. But um, she did like doing that. She liked doing embroidery. She taught me how to embroider in the initial. I remember her teaching how to enjoy my initial on a hanky, things like that. Um, and she, she wasn't, she wasn't the best cook per oh. se, per se. <laughs> but she was much, She was the one that we. I made toffee. We made toffees. We made peppermint creams. We used to make marzipan shapes and marzipan fruit. She liked doing things like that. We had disasters. By the fact that we melted everything into the toffee, including a plastic spoon, um, so that all had to go in the dustbin before Granddad could see. Um, so we tended to do things like that, and Granny um, Hall always had her had the picnic basket. Yes. She always had the picnic pot, the old they were, fashioned. They were different. She was different than me. She was yeah. like me. But she all, we always had the, 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 the proper wicker picnic basket and the old ones you opened up and the, it plates. wasn't plastic, it was proper plates, or was clipped in with leather straps. And they had one of those and the old-fashioned fla- thermos flask. Um, Granny made proper tea and we took tea in said wicker. <laughs> but, and so we would go down to Exmouth or up onto oh, yes. what, was yeah, the, what, was the, what was the what was the yeah the bit above no Exeter oh no Exeter yeah, the headland at the end where you went, walked across to yeah I can't remember where it was and we used to go up the point at the bottom of Exeter yeah Orkham anyway. Point I don't you know. Yes. Yeah, you know, up on the top. I can't remember the name. Yes. Of it. Oh, well, you walked up over the top and ended up in Ladrum Bay. Yes, Orkham yes. Point. Yes, that's Orkham well, we Point. Used, we used to either, if it was a nice day, I, when it was nice in the summer, bearing in mind, don't forget, I could just about swim. Just about. Both of my grandparents could not swim. But we used to go down to Exmouth and I had a lie then. And you all laugh. I had a piece of binder twine. T- attached to said lino, lino, so I could float out and swim it. 
and Grandad Hall used to roll his trousers up and walk in the shower. It was holding his spinner string so I didn't float off too far because nobody could swim to save me. If I, I could swim, but they couldn't save So I used to be brought in on the piece of string on this line. It was red and white, I remember it to this day. Anyway, and Dad used to patch it up if it ever got a hole, puncture. Um, anyway. that, that was why when, I, when we lived in, in uh, Torp, key that I I persevered mm. to learn to swim because we couldn't swim and I thought I, we, another generation is going to be brought up with nobody that can swim and so that was in Helen Helen's mum mm. Sylvia and I persisted in, in in teaching ourselves to swim how old are you then 90 well when we went um well, you'd have been mid twenty. Well, I was. You were twenty five when I was. Yeah, late twenties. I, I was about five or so when I learned to swim with. Well, I was in the thirty. Like, I was twenty five yeah. when Alison was born. So yeah, I was about late thirty. 20, late twenties. Yeah. Sylvia was a similar yeah. sort of age, but. And yeah. Grandad. Didn't he never persisted in learning to no, do anything in the, the water. No, I don't like the bath. I don't like any deep water at <laughs> all. But somebody <laughs> had to. Yeah. But what it was, was the fact that we had the old stretched down, you know, the, the fold-up little deck chairs. Granny and Grandad all had, had the, you know, the pull-down things. And Granny always used to be had her down in the table, and she'd lay up tea. And we'd have jam sandwiches and cake. And we weren't involved with this no, at all. No, but this is, what, this is what I used to have after I'd been in, playing in the water and everything, mm. and I'd come out and she'd have laid tea out of the bath plate on the plate with the jam sandwiches and the cake, and, and they would have a cup of tea. I, I wouldn't, I'd just have milk or whatever, squash usually. Um, but we'd have tea on the beach. And both my grandparents fully, if you can imagine it now, you wouldn't nowadays, Fully clothed and Granny very smartly dressed, with her, you know. And quite likely, my dad still had a tie on. Oh yes, but he'd have rolled his trousers up because he'd have paddled. Because he'd have paddled with me, but he'd have had trousers and a jacket and a shirt. It, it wasn't like shorts. It wasn't a casual affair going for tea on a beach. With, I mean, none of the grandparents either were were. Well, no, but your father was no different. No, no, no. The only person dressed. With long trousers and a, a full full length shirt and the buttons done up, was you on a beach? Yes. yes well, a yes. next generation. Yes. Well, I'm the third generation because your father was exactly the same. Always. <laughs> Andrew, the first time I took the, Andrew, the first time we went on holiday together, ever before we were married, when he arrived and unpacked his clothes, I I said to him, "Where's your Where's your beach clothes? You know, your shorts and your t-shirt." And he went. Well, I haven't got any of that. And he bought his grey cords, he bought his brown cords and his long sleeve shirts. And he sat on the beach in quite warm weather for two weeks with corduroy trousers and a long sleeve shirt buttoned up to here and down to there. Look, yes. Wasn't he like 21 ish then? Before you were married, because twenty he was twenty seven. Oh, no, twenty he was twenty seven or twenty five when I met him. Oh, well, oh not met, but no, met him no. again. Met him again. No, I mean, you were yes. not. <coughs> when you met Andrew, he was. You were ten. 
Oh yeah, when Initially. we met. No, well, yeah, I mean when we age. met before yeah. we got married yeah. again. He was yeah, twenty-five. But you don't be ages, yeah. So twenty-five yeah. in a button-up shirt and grey brown yeah, corduroy trousers. Yes. That's very um, age. very seventies. Very seventies. Yes, he had never moved out of the seventies. Your dad. We weren't in the seventies, but your father had moved on from the seventies. If you strange look at pictures of. That period, um, you'll see that, um, that and it's a, it's a, um, a, a seaside town that they're explaining something about. That is the, how the people will be wearing their clothes at that time, and mm. and many of the men will have hats on. Mm. Oh yeah, yes. I was going to say it's funny how the generations, because Alison telling that story about her holidays with her grandparents in Sidmouth were almost identical to my childhood um, and my grandparents of course lived in, in Bournemouth so we did exactly the same thing they would take me to the beach and, and different things and although my grandfather wasn't an easy man not like um, Alison's grandfather who was my father um, but as my mother used to say oh because he, he 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 was a very stern father to her, and she said, "Oh, she said, you get a, it's much nicer to you. You get away with everything and then, but, um, and yes, they were in their way in in, in the generation before uh, we did. I did all sorts of things with them. Because yeah, your grandparents are obviously the Victorian era, were they? Yeah, because well, I I remember. Nan's grandfather, Your great my, grandfather. my great grandfather, he didn't die until I was seven, so I remember him. Mm. Now, I mean, I was obviously much, much older by the time I was, I was born, and I just remember, I always remember, I remember him, but as a quite, yeah, you would say, Yes, the grandmother died when I was uh, yes, about 17 or 18. But then he married but again. But then he'd been married, yes, he married again. But mm. he was uh, a very stern. Yes, he was a well, dark was, yeah. shadow, a dark mm. person to a child. Mm. Right. That's, a, that's a good, exp that's a very mm. good. So like. It, very little came back right. from him. Yes, when this you dark presence. Mm. Yes. So yeah, I guess you'll imagine like a man standing very tall, sort of stoic. Yes, mm. yeah, the, yes. The, the, whereas the, the, I remember the step-grandmother, Gladys. Now, she was quite different because she fussed around. And yes, wasn't, uh, and yeah. to, to me, like making the tea and making things, and I remember, I remember. We weren't very close to her. No. but your real you, grandma, you, you your real grandma, <coughs> had sixpences, or wasn't it? Sorry? Your, your real grandmother, Grandma Charit, wasn't there sixpences or something? She mon money that she put aside or something. Oh, it's family bits. Family yeah. bits. Yeah. Ah, yeah. But there again, she she said, "Don't tell Grandad." She always saved all these these threepenny bits of, with all the different edges, and that was quite for, yes. for for some pocket money for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Granny Drew, you see, did exactly the same to me. Did she save? Yes, she always gave me pocket money. Right, she always well, yeah. saves it. Um, it wasn't that Granddad wouldn't have mind. No, it wouldn't, but, wouldn't but she mind. but she always yeah. gave it. She always put it aside, obviously, mm. for when I was coming, and always. 
Yeah, so it's just when you think about the generation, they hadn't altered quite so much. Uh, The generations now between uh, the the boys' upbringing. Yes, I've changed. However, I'm 30 now, of course, but when I was younger, it's not a massive amount of difference, really, with the sort of things I, I did with you guys. Like, could we go to Dawlish? Oh, oh, yes, not from that point of view. When, yeah. when I was a yeah. young, mm. young grandchild. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, so we've always been yes. lucky to be fairly near each other living, haven't mm. we? And yes, you've always... Because yeah. you came every... All, all three of you would come in the summer holidays, but week by week by week. Because um, it was better to come s- separately. Mm. And I think you all enjoyed being the only child for a week mm. and have it, ha- having attention. And it was easier... Certainly for me to have one one boy at a time. I mean, I know you did more with granddad than with me, but um, it was easy to have one at a time because you could chat to one at a time mm. and not have all three. And we didn't have that being all, all only children, of course. So. Mm. But you see, when you were talking about grandparents, as we have been doing, for, for uh, myself, um, my grandparents on my mum's side were Londoners and we lived in Exeter. Um, so they, uh, I saw very little of them um, until the war started, which was the only reason actually I spent time with um, my mum's mum and dad um, when they were um, blitzed out of London and through granddad's ill health. Um, they suggested that he came down to the, you know, for the fact that they had relations down in Exeter in the West Country, which was supposed to be a quieter place. But the untroubled was when they arrived, we had, we had the Exeter Blitz, but that was another story. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, and my dad's dad, which was, had, which, um, had died by, I don't remember him. Um, to any degree at all, he had remarried, and um, because my dad, my real grandma, died when my dad was twenty-one, um, and um, she was called because she was not the mother, and she wasn't the grandmother. It was a term they gave her as matra, 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 yes, matra. Um, <coughs> And um, it used to be a very old fashioned term, wasn't it? Yes, you used to say your mater and your pater, yes, that's oh, going yeah. right, right, mm. right back, but yes. it's still, I mean, you would never hear it nowadays. But it was an old term given to parents, um, yes. you know, rather than mother and father, so yes. since they were called probably when you're a bit posh, yes. <laughs> uh, and my dad's but business, um, the office for it was um, uh, a room off the, um, the, the the house that they lived in in Exeter and Alpington Street. And I used to go up there then, I used to join uh, Major. And the person I remember most was because she had a daily help, was a court lady called Mrs Salter. And she was a delightful lady. I, I, um, she was... She, I suppose she made up for, I don't know, 
um, I always she always made me feel welcome um, and um, then I stayed where well, I just mucked about in the old um, stables and um, um, where the carts used to be and where the horses used to come into the stables and that and muck about in there but I enjoying myself and getting dirty <laughs> with coal dust yeah so but not actually she wasn't actually playing with her I made my own yeah. and there was plenty to do where the horses and the old the horses um, um, harnesses and yeah. things yes and so Nan also you mentioned one grandfather do you have any memories of the other side um, yes well, yeah. when I when I was born when I was young I had about two, two sets of great grandparents um, my, my, on my father's side of course it was the ones on the farm and I, I remember my grandfather and, and grandmother well then and also the other side my mother's side we had relations that um, um, don't know them that way but they were great grandparents they lived in, and I can remember going to a cottage and seeing uh, an old lady with her penny on and you know the, the, what they used, looked like in those days um, and that side of the family but the um, because where were the other Drews then? Where was Grandad? Where did Grandad Drew's father farm? Well, in Palmsonby. Oh, he did. Yeah. Mm. But the and, wife and before it? him, it had been the John Jeans, whose photo, whose pictures down the end there, um, and who uh, cousin John did all the investigation yeah. of of, uh, of the past, and there's all these. Drews and Jeans in a place called Stolbridge, which is just outside Charleston. Um, and then, of course, the other one, the other um, ones I remember a lot is Cousin John's mother and father, who always lived in Sidmouth. And I went there. And, and she, compared with my mother, because all right, as I grew older, I didn't get on very well. With my own mother, but Auntie Edie, she was, and that was John's mother, and, and she always wanted a she always wanted a daughter, because John John said fairly recently he said he said you were the daughter that my mother never had, she she didn't really want a boy, I mean he was sent away to boarding school because they were always busy running a guest house and hotel in in summer holidays, so that's why we spent a lot of time together. Um, but but she, she was everything that my mother wasn't. She didn't fuss, and you know she she treated you quite differently. And she used to say to my mother, "Course, Jean, let Jean come down and you know do the things." But I was once allowed to go on train to London at eight. I thought I was eighteen. Perhaps it was John's twenty-first. Yes, it was. He, he, yes, he lived it was. in a flat with other students in London. And I was allowed to go um, to London on the train. <laughs> Mind you, what I was warned of, I, I <laughs> bear to think. But, and I was only going to allow, really, because I had got to know uh, uh, one of 
John's friend in Sydney that he was going to be a parson and he was going to well he was going to meet me off the train so we thought, she thought I might be quite safe and then some other friends were going oh, well, to bring, to be, bring okay. me back yeah, yeah. But uh, whereas I, whereas John's mum said, of course she can go to the party. Nice, perfectly safe. A nice lot of, but John had a, a nice lot of friends, didn't he? Oh yeah, from Sidmouth, they were really yes, they, they were nice good lads. Yes, lasses. Yes, uh, it was a nice bunch to, um, and I came in as a stranger to that, having met Jean, okay. uh, but it always made such a welcome. By course, your, ma by your, your aunt. By the next generation, by mine, father and granddad were also in Sidmouth, and so were Aunt Edie, and Edie's husband's called Uncle Percy, which is granddad's brother. So I also got to always go to Rose Cottage, where they were. And Aunt Edie was just as sweet to me as she was mm, to my yeah. I found that Uncle Percy, because my granddad and Uncle Percy, although they were brothers, they were. To me, they were he was the youngest and dad, yeah. Yeah, no, completely oh, different yeah. personalities. And so, and Uncle Percy also had, had a, um, uh, I think, a motorcycle accident. He'd had an accident. No, no, that was, no, that was John's dad, Uncle Reg. Oh, was it oh, Reg? Yeah. Reg and he. Oh, oh sorry, Reg and he. Yes, because yeah. Percy was yeah. Mary. Percy was the good looking one. Yes. <laughs> he was the bank manager. Yeah. And, he and Auntie Mary, much. that was, and he married Auntie Mary, didn't he? Who had some money. And they all, but, and they also lived in Sidmouth, just to confuse well, well, in the end. Ended up in the end. He managed to marry money. Yes. Because Auntie, yes. Auntie Mary came from near Shakespeare. Uh, her father was a farmer, and they went out as a baker, and he did all sorts. Um, and there was two these two sisters, but they were always better off, uh, what more than just the bank pay because she always had money. Yes. For so I got to so Auntie, um, uh, Auntie um, and Uncle Reg. Uncle Reg had, had oh, he was the one, yeah. Yes, he had, and it always he had. We wouldn't use it nowadays. Nowadays, he had a splint to his hand because his hand he lost proper function in it so but he had a piece of metal and leather which was those the only things we had in those days to keep the hand to, to function and it wasn't that I was fascinated but I couldn't understand what it was and so to me it was a little bit scary and he was always the one he because they had that sort of fat kitcheny bit and he was he was always well not always in there but he spent a lot of time in there prepping obviously the and doing jobs and so he was always to me, in the background, whereas Auntie Edie was always the one front chatting oh, yeah. and doing. Front of house. She, yeah. was, she was a businesswoman. Yes, and um, yeah. this Rose Cottage, it had um, patio doors and it opened out. It had a nice little garden and everything. And I was there in the summer, obviously, so you used to be able to go out and run in, in, in the garden. It doesn't and look any different. As you've often said, we must go to sit yeah. because the boys haven't really no. been. But it's still there. It's exactly the same mm. as um, as they as it was in. Uh, yeah. But a group of nuns who had lost their abbey. Oh in yes, it one, um, at one time it was taken they over. Were, they were redundant. Yes, and, and they had it as a little yes. as a little um, nunnery. Yeah. I remember John was down one year and he was <laughs> at, at church, and there was something. Um, it must have been Catholic because John did change to be Catholic, and they said something about this um, where this where these nuns were uh, and whatnot. 
And John said, I felt like standing up and saying, that was my home. <laughs> Born there, you know. And this little nunnery has had it, it's gone back to a private house now. Mm. Yes. So. so who was it who married money, did you say? Well, well ah. this was this was dad, my dad's younger brother, and he was called Uncle. But he was in the he was in the Westminster Bank. But he was sponsored. You had to be sponsored in those days, uh, and you had to put up fifty pounds by the grandmother's brother. So he was a great uncle to us, and he managed to go over to or met an Irish widow and she was an angel she was well she was the money but she had all the money as well they had a big house in, in a very smart part of Bournemouth in the area which has now all pulled down and got all these sort of famous people like all that footballer is they all the old houses have been rebuilt with all this glass and it's a very posh area um, who's the football that lives there? I can't remember. <laughs> you know, I don't follow football. <laughs> no, but he's very well known. He's very you, well. don't mean, you don't mean Gary Lineker or something? Like no, 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 no. He's a bit older than that. Oh, right. But that, that's it. Anyway, uh, so he uh, he sponsored. He was he was originally in the in the West of the Bank, but of course he didn't have to work anymore when he'd married this aunt Angel, who was Irish. Um, but he stayed uh, and the then he uh, he sponsored he sponsored um, 50 quid Percy to go to go in the Westminster Bank wasn't he mm. but, uh, you had to give it in, in those days and you had to guarantee um, the individual 50 quids in case they cooked the books they were they had a slightly different uh, I used to be terribly jealous because they had one daughter, and they they very often would come would call into the farm, and they'd be just off on holiday because you were in the bank. You had two weeks holiday, and of course in those days we didn't have any holiday. I remember sitting, I remember sitting there kicking. Why can't we have a holiday? They're going to have a holiday because they also also their their um, the sister of, of this auntie Mary that he married. Um, well, yeah, she was in the Westminster. She, actually, she, she, she was the in charge of all the nurses in the Westminster Hospital because the last proper matron of the Westminster, where, where uh, Mum was, um, came from Shaftesbury. She was an old girl of our school, the most, in, you know, most famous. She had to have the, the matron of the Westminster. And then her best friend was this, this person who was in charge of the nursing. Oh. But they always used to go on, on holiday to Sydney. So back then, a uh, a good holiday was holiday to Sydney. Well, no, it was for us. I mean, yeah. I remember the first time after the war, I suppose, um, that we went. No, that's when you got the got the eczema on your legs that I was on about the other day when we went on the train and the seats. Oh, were, right, yes. But we we went to um, Sydney. And Auntie Edie instigating the first time that um, you went to London. No, no, you went to London, not me. It was me, right? It was you. No, I you. went to London with you, you and Dad. Oh, yes, yes. of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. 
But the interesting thing was with with um, Percy, uh, he was like he he had a cushy time because he ended up manager of um, uh, of um, Sidmouth branch. Well, that really is called a sinecure, really, because you've got very few businesses that really you have to worry about, and all you've got is customers with money. But he came from Torquay, where there were all rich old widows uh, in Torquay. Yes, but he was cashier. He was a cashier at uh, Torquay. It was when he left Tork Torquay mm. that he got his first sub manager, uh, and then got. To, but uh, yes, I, th I just thought of it. He, he just everything fell into place for for yeah. Percy. But um, really sadly, he didn't live long after his army. Oh really? No, it's a great shame. Oh, he didn't. No. He dropped dead, bleeding a re 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 bleeding a radiator. Oh wow! In, he was only six. He was only six. <coughs> You were about 17 or 18 I because remember. you just passed the test and yes. we went to the funeral. <coughs> was in the sick form. So, <coughs> one, what kind of money was she? Is it blue blood money or what kind of. I, I don't know where Auntie Mary, I don't know where Auntie Mary's family Land. made their money. Was it Lambs? Well, because. What was her maiden name? Mary's. Auntie White Mary. Wyatt. Wyatt. That's they lived in Dornit, yes, but. Um, they had they had a farm but they also ran the bakery you see um, Molly's older sister mm. oh her husband he yes. was a farm manager for yes. for, the, yes. for Wyatt's at Donnet yes um, I, I suppose perhaps they died I suppose they Perhaps they died quite young and why she had the money, I don't really know. Well, or, well yes, but it wouldn't have been all that... The, 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 the value of, the, of land in those days wasn't megabucks and so forth. <coughs> um, somewhere along the line, there was other money. Um, the Wyatts had, had, had gone. Well, I don't know, there. we don't but remember. But the point maybe. being is, um, they had a farm manager... Well, that means to say that they they didn't run the farm themselves, so they they had money from some source. But he was also running the village bakery and possibly the shop or something. I I can't. Yes, there was. You saw it. Yes. You knew these things, but you've forgotten. Yeah. Without without getting uh, Michael here to go do all the um, uh, ancestry stuff, um, we lost on that one. It would be useful actually at some point. Michael might want to uh, get involved with one, with one of these. I, yeah. he, he, well, he's done the most research. He has, yeah. Yes. And, and worked out yes. where our families diverge and yes. converge. And well, John's done. And John's I, I have so little knowledge of the halls and the vineyards of Bristol, uh, where my grandparents yeah. came from, all the Riles, um, which came from uh, uh, London, Bromley, um, Kent, mm. which was in those days in part of Kent, yeah. Because Michael did a bit of yours. Yes. Yeah, Michael, Michael did a lot, but um, John, cousin Drew. John, yes. he's gone back to about the 16th century. It's always been a John Drew. Always a John, all through the generations. Every generation has every a John Drew. Every generation had a, had a John, mm. yeah. But they didn't use um, John Drew Jr. or Sr. or any of that stuff. No, it was no, just John yeah, Drew. He, he, he yeah. And it's always he, been Drew without the E, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. To the 16th century. Well, that's, 
Yes, yeah. without D, yes, without at D. the end, yes. Impressive. But my, uh, my um, uh, London folk, um, I knew that they, the, the family business was on the Thames, but it wasn't until very recently when I found some, which Margaret gave me some papers, or no, somewhere anyhow, yeah, um, it came down that on a death certificate, it said the person's occupation, and it was lighterman. Now we won't go into that detail now, but it's it's a it's a very interesting um, factor that uh, that that was that they were very important people uh, in the old days with the uh, um, all the number of um, uh, vessels bringing um, goods and that to London from all over the world. The lightermen uh, were very important um, part of the um, transport of. Um, goods and that um, in those days um, and it was quite a big business I understand but um, um, destroyed by the First World War because most of the brothers were killed off other than my, my grandfather. So just briefly what did Lightman do? They, <laughs> they had smallish very manoeuvrable boats that picked up whatever was required for them to pick up and move from point A to point B on the river. Okay, that's cool. So we've actually hit an hour now, but before we finish, there's one, one thing I want to ask. Like, can you think of your favourite memory, Mum, with each of your grandparents, just to finish it off with? Um, I suppose with, with Granny and Granddad Drew, I suppose my, my favourite memory with them is um, is my time with Grandad most probably doing things like playing the mini golf things like because he wouldn't have done that he would never have had no. time to do that with Mum so that was and I think the the, the lasting memory of actually the, the funniest memory I suppose with the halls there's two there's one is us making the toffee and melting everything including the plastic spoon into the toffee. And the other one is Gran had this thing about of making junket, and which is like it's it's all it best described as solid yogurt, but it's not easy to get it to sort of. And we used to spend all this time with with the besides in this little room called the airing cupboard with the boiler and all shaking this to see whether it'd set. <laughs> then you put nutmeg on. Yeah, and I hated it. it. Was but it was but it was the very fact that it was so we spent so long shaking these that she'd go in and go, Oh not yet. But that was made <laughs> from milk and we ran it. Ran it. Ran it. But it was a cult, like a culture thing. But yeah, that was my lasting memory of of of, of them too really. And I can remember as a boy having plenty of that. Yes. <laughs> well, that's when we made a nice chat, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. That was really yes. good. Because it's eleven o'clock again. We haven't managed to get in bed. I thought I was coming down here to go to bed a bit earlier. I go to bed late at home yeah. always. <laughs> it's eleven o'clock. We shan't be up in the morning.